Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. My name is Jim Parsons here with NHLTradeTalk.com and TheHockeyWriters.com. As always, with Brooke Laferno. Brooke, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, we got some big trade scoop uh, today, so we're excited to get into it. Yeah, we've got a lot of things to talk about. I mean, we're going to be doing these shows a little bit more regularly than we normally have, just because we are about two weeks away from the NHL trade deadline. There are guys being pulled out of their lineups. There are names being tossed around. There are teams making some calls and doing some hunting. We have no idea really how serious or close or imminent any of these deals actually are, but we're still going to be talking about them anyway, because you know, that's what we do. We are at trade talk podcast. So Let's uh let's get into some of the list. We've got a handful of names that we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to let you decide first who you want to go with because we've got, what, one, two, three, at least six people that we can probably cover here okay. with a little detail. Who do you want to start with? How about we start with Jacob Chickram because that was the big news that for our viewers or listeners that didn't know, me and Jim had just gotten off of a call talking about Kane and the Oilers and then literally the second we got off, uh, the Coyotes announced that they were holding Chickren out for trade-related reasons. So now that that's out there, we should probably start with that. <laughs> yeah, because you specifically said I asked you, what's the, what do you think the next shoe to fall is? Who's the player that you think might be moved next? And you said Jacob Chickren, and then literally within an hour, uh, he was pulled out of the lineup. So here's what we know so far. The Arizona Coyotes do not have a deal struck with anybody. They are not like imminently moving him to many of the names that we've heard potentially the Edmonton Oilers, the Los Angeles Kings, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Boston Bruins. All these teams are in this, but this is not a deal that is done yet. The Arizona Coyotes have pulled him out of the lineup simply because they want to make sure that they're protecting the asset. Now, there are some rumors and speculation that maybe he's tweaked something a little bit here mm-hmm. and that he might be dealing with a minor injury, nothing that would probably stop him from playing. But if it is deemed that he probably has something that is nagging him, it's probably best just to sit him out. I don't think he minds if he's sitting out at this point. He wants to go. They want to move him. Uh, He's happy enough to probably wait until this happens. The Los Angeles Kings are the team that we believe to be the favorites here. And Elliot Freeman is reporting that there's somewhat of a snag, like a contract maybe going the other way or what the Kings are willing to give away as a prospect here. Uh, Arizona wants one name and they don't want to move another. Like those are the things that could be, Jumping up here. Do you think it's the Los Angeles Kings that we are probably going to see Chickering eventually move to? Or is that maybe something else? There's another team going on here. When the whole thing, when the news broke, my first thought was it seemed like it was probably the Bruins. And he was kind of like a last minute um, connection to the Bruins. Like, it only seemed like that kind of popped up within, like, the last couple of weeks. But then there was kind of whispers that the Edmonton Oilers and Boston Bruins kind of left the discussions at the moment. And then it was on to the Kings. Now it seems like all focus is on the Kings. So I am actually thinking that he is going to go to the Kings. It does make a lot of sense um, in a lot of ways. But also, that's a little bit concerning to me because usually the teams that are linked to players the most are usually the teams that end up not getting him. Kind of like with Johnny Gaudreau and the New Jersey uh, Devils. Then he ended up going to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that was kind of way out of left field. So I think he has the best shot at L.A. Let's put it that way. That is the team that has been consistently linked to him for a while now. They've needed a a really strong top defenseman, so I see it. Who knows if that will come to fruition, but it seems like that's kind of been where it's heading. Yeah, they they have the pieces to do this. Like Jeff Merrick said, the Edmonton Oilers have said they're not in this. 
Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs are not in this. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be in this. It just means at the time that Chikrin was pulled out of the lineup, everybody wanted to know, okay, well, why? Is there a trade actually happening here? And the Arizona Coyotes said in their release statement is for trade-related reasons, which is kind of the first time we've ever really seen a team do that. You know, we know that people get pulled just prior to a trade because they want to protect them from injury. But teams don't typically say that they're going to do that, and that's why they're keeping a player out. But the Arizona Coyotes did that. And another player we're going to get to in a minute here has done this as well with their team. But everybody was like, what's going on? Is this happening? Is this happening? So Merrick said he reached out to the Oilers and the Maple Leafs, and both of them denied that it was them. Uh, The Los Angeles Kings potentially... They didn't want to disrupt the Dustin Brown ceremony, his statue reveal, all that other stuff. But a lot of people thought it was the Kings. I could see the Bruins, and then Friedman said something about the Columbus Blue Jackets mm-hmm. maybe moving Gavrikov and replacing him with Chikrin because they like that the player has term left on his deal. So you're right. It could be anybody. Uh, I think the Kings have the pieces to do this. They have the need to do this. They're in a position where they're a team making the next step you know, they made the playoffs last year. They got outed by ousted by the Edmonton Oilers. They want to do better than they did last year. Chicken will be a piece that helps them do that. So if that is what they're giving up, but there are prospects there that they don't want to move. And mm-hmm. so if that's what it is by Arizona standard, then maybe this deal doesn't happen. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it'll be very, very interesting. But if the Oilers and Maple Leafs and these other teams are out of it, what happens here? Like does Chicken just sit? for two weeks and not play a game until like March 3rd. And what happens if he isn't moved? That's kind of what I'm thinking too. It seemed like when he was uh, originally sitting out that it seemed like it was pretty imminent. It seemed like there was four teams and that they were deciding which one to kind of take. And then all of a sudden it started stalling. And then, like you said, that report came out about um, a conspiracy theory that they were calling it a conspiracy theory about him possibly have tweaked something. I don't think that's the case, if I'm being honest with you, but I do think that this whole thing is a lot more complicated uh, than people realized. And I don't exactly know why, because he has had such a good year. I don't know if it is money or injury concerns, but I cannot see him sitting for two weeks. I don't think that's what the Coyotes think either, to be honest. I know they said that he'll sit until a deal is made but I yeah I think he will get moved eventually I don't think it'll take till the end of the deadline like right to the last second to get moved but I am it is interesting that he's still out there though I don't know what's going on usually you sit when something's imminent so yeah it is interesting but like I said I don't see him sitting for that long from what I understand there's some complications uh on two fronts one it's about the contract that potentially goes back from the Kings to Arizona and Merrick reported today on his show that he really believes that the Arizona Coyotes do not want to take on extra money. Like Mm -hmm. they're not in a situation where they can move out 4.6 million or retaining on anything related to Chikrin, which they would probably do to get a better return, Mm -hmm. but bringing money back, it can't exceed what they're sending out. So say Mm -hmm. for example, he's a $4.6 million player and they retain 50% of that, which then makes him a $2.3 million dead cap space issue. They aren't taking back more than 2.3 million in any trade. So for the Oilers, for example, they're not going to move Jesse Pugliarvi and a first for Chikrin moving 3 million where the Arizona Coyotes retain and get rid of 2.3 million. Cause that just means they're taking on another $700,000, which they're not willing to do. 
because the Arizona Coyotes are broke. Like they don't have yeah. any money to take on extra stuff. They're out of Mullen Arena. They just they can't afford it. Like they just aren't making the money that they can bring in extra expenses. So that's a hiccup for them. Like they really have to make sure that if they're moving this player out, they're doing so at a net profit, right? Like they're sending a guy out who they don't have to pay extra money more than they're paying right now. And so that's, that's a real key. And I think that could be a hiccup here. Like that's something that they're going to have to consider if they don't want to take on extra salary. How do you make this deal work so that you are better off as you're making a net profit tomorrow more than you are today. And that could be be very, very interesting. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Vladislav Gavrikov out of Columbus. We talk about guys getting pulled from their lineup. Jacob Tripperin was one. Gavrikov is the other. Columbus just Mm -hmm. decided that they're going to do that. Now, this is a little different because Chirkin wants to be traded. Mm -hmm. Gavrikov hasn't said he wants to be traded. I think he's probably well aware that he will be traded and that his Mm -hmm. time in Columbus is probably over. He won't probably sign there again this summer. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He probably knows he's going to another destination, but he wants to play. Like he does not want to sit out. He is not interested in just waiting for a deal to happen. Like he's annoyed that he's been pulled Uh out of the lineup here, but they're doing it anyway for trade related reasons that they posted in their statement too. I don't know if there's any deal in the works here. Like I've heard mixed, re- like in Edmonton where I cover the team, I've heard mixed reactions. Like the Oilers aren't really interested in just a defensive defenseman. Whereas Pierre Lebrun has said, yes, they are actually making multiple calls on Gavrikov and he could be the backup plan to a guy like an Eric Carlson or Chikrin if they don't are not able to pull that off. I don't know if I love the asking price on this player. Like it's pretty high. They want it first. They want other prospects. Like they believe they're going to get quite the haul for him. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think they're doing? Like if they're pulling them out of the lineup, obviously injury protection, but are they just trying to get as many teams in on this as they possibly can and say, look, we are, we're ready to go. We'll pull them. We want to trade this guy. Uh, Come to us and make the best offer that you can. Like, is that what you think is happening in Columbus here? Absolutely. That's what I think is happening. Yarmo Kakalainen is very aggressive when it comes to deals, as you can see from the past two years. When he sees something, he's like a shark with blood. Like he's just right there and on everything. And what's kind of funny about um, Gavrikov is that he was kind of like a player that really is like on no one's radar whatsoever. Like Columbus right now is just not doing very well. And he's, his name is not very flashy. It's not like a Jacob Chikrin or Patrick Kane. So I laughed uh, that, you know, everyone was kind of like, you know, Oh, who is this guy? All of a sudden he's the one that can garner a first round pick all of a sudden of all things, but kind of makes sense. This guy is um 27, really cheap. He only has a $2.8 million cap hit. It's the final year. Um, and he's also the second highest scorer on the Columbus's defense behind Adam Boakfist. Now, 10 points is not a lot, and Adam Boakfist has 12, but still, it makes a point that he's having a pretty good year for their defense. So I get the hype around him for sure. He would make a good, like they call, stay-at-home defenseman for a lot of teams. So I see the interest a lot there, and they could get a haul for that because a lot of teams want cheap defensemen that will make good depth for the playoffs. So... Yeah, I do think that Kakalainen is kind of keeping him out, and it's like, I'm ready to make a deal. And if a lot of people are interested, which it seems like there are quite a few teams that are in on this, make me a deal. Like, he's right here, he's ready to play, uh, ready to go. And they want a lot of assets. Columbus wants a lot of assets right now. They're the worst team in the league. They need it. It seems like a match made in trade heaven with this guy for another team. So, yeah, it is kind of an interesting um, storyline to come out of Columbus. So he wasn't a player that immediately stuck out as, like, their biggest trade chip. So we'll see what happens there. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you you're probably right, but that you use the word make me a deal and then you have this huge list of assets that you want back for the player. That's not a, really a deal. Like it's no. <laughs> it's a rental that has said he's not signing wherever he goes. Like he might eventually, but he's not willing to talk about it this season. He'll wait yeah. until the summer. He'll test free agency, see what offers are out there, and then maybe circle back to the team that he's currently employed by and see what's what. So any team that acquires him, they know like 99.9%, he's a rental that's not sticking around. So if you're giving that up for a player, like in the case, again, people are going to be sick of me doing this because I'm talking about the Oilers here, but they seem to be in on a lot of things. This is a player that I would have some interest in, but there are consequences to adding him, right? Brett Kulak moves down the line. Philip Roberg has played really well. Maybe he gets bumped off the roster. What are you going to be doing there? And what are you giving up to move these players who have played pretty decently for you? Like, yes, you can, might be able to limit Darnell Nurse's minutes a little bit because you put him on your left side and he can take some of that. But you're bumping somebody off the roster and you're giving up a first and whatever else you think you have to give up to get this guy. Now, the money makes sense. Like, you can move a Pugliarvi and a pick and the salary cap works. Like, mm-hmm. that's no big deal. But I don't know if that he's the per- – like, it's hard to say. What what are you willing to sacrifice to fit him in? And then what are you sacrificing by putting him in? Like, right. that's the question. So a lot of these teams are going to be asking that question. And what gets bumped to bring him in? What are you giving up to bump those people out mm-hmm. of your lineup or move people around and stuff like that? So I, when you say a deal, like – I would be all over this if I'm a team that's like, okay, yeah, I can get him for a second, mm-hmm. but that's not what it's going to cost. Like he's no. going to be a player that's going to be a lot more than that. So uh, it is interesting that they've decided we're going to pull this guy out. We're going to try to line up as many teams as we possibly can. And when we were talking about the trade pieces that they, I've had heard, nothing's imminent, but he, to me could be the guy who goes next because if he, if Columbus can get the deal that they're looking for and one of these teams steps up, I think they'll pull the trigger on it. Like I, I could see them doing that. So that would be very, very interesting to me. Those are the only two names that we've heard from the teams that have actively pulled these guys and that we fully expect that a trade is going to happen. Now, there are other names that we're going to talk about here um, that we don't necessarily expect to see a trade. And maybe we're a little surprised that they're even being discussed. Mackenzie Weger pops to mind. David Pagnota of the fourth period on NHL Network, he said in one of his articles today, he has it on strong, a strong belief, or I'm paraphrasing, strong authority, strong whatever, that Mackenzie Weaker's out there, that yes. the Calgary Flames are considering trading him, which is kind of a shocker. Now, he's not had a great season. In fact, nobody in Calgary's had a wonderful season. No. Uh, mm-hmm. Markstrom's struggling. Uh, Huberto has not been very good, or at least not compared to what he was last year. Um, Mangiapane is only getting like half the production that he had last season. Mackenzie Weger is not probably going to live up. He's not living up to what they've just signed him for starting next season, which is like 6.25 million per season for the next eight years. Like if you're getting from him, what you're getting now for the next eight years, you're like, Oh my God, what'd we do? Like, mm-hmm. why did we sign this player at that amount of money for this? So I suppose there is some logic here. If you're going to trade this player, this is the time because his no trade, a full no move, no trade clause kicks in for the first four seasons of this. And then like a modified one at the last four. If you're going to move this player, if you're really thinking about moving this player, you got to do it now. Mm-hmm. And so I get the logic from, but I'm still shocked that this is a guy that you just traded for. You just acquired and you just signed to a huge deal yeah. that maybe you're putting it out there that he's available. 
What did you make of that today? Did you buy it? Like, are you buying or selling on this, that this is actually legitimate? Like this is happening in Calgary or are you like, nah, I don't see it. I see the point behind it because like you said, everyone is not producing right now. Jonathan Huberto is not producing as well as he did last year. Jacob Markstrom is really struggling. He hasn't struggled this bad since 2014. Um, So there's a lot of moving parts here, but I don't see this being realistic, if I'm being honest. Like you said, you made the good point about his no trade clause kicks in next year, not this year. So they have the means to move him. Um, But I don't really see where Mackenzie Weger honestly fits at this point if it comes to a trade because of the fact that you're not only taking him, you're taking on that big contract for what was it, the next eight years, six years? Yeah, eight years. Eight years, yeah, that's Both what I he thought. and Huberto got eight-year deals. Yeah, so that's kind of, even if they thought about it, even if they wanted to, I just don't see it being realistic. And I like Mackenzie Weger. I think he's a good defenseman. I honestly think he'll be fine for Calgary. It's just, like you said, not a good year. But I do find it interesting. Honestly, anything can happen. Maybe there is a lot of interest um, for him. But, yeah, I, I'm not really in. I'm not really buying it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I don't think he's going to have another season that is as this. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say disappointing. That might be too harsh, but he's going to play better. Like yeah. next season will be better than this season, and he's going to play better than he has played this season. I do wonder if there is something about playing for a guy like Daryl Sutter that doesn't yeah. necessarily fit some of these guys, right? And that could be a problem. Like if you're if Sutter has a certain way that he likes to coach a certain style that these guys like to play, and maybe that's not necessarily Mackenzie Weegers, you know, bread and butter. Maybe he never does live up to what he was doing in Florida. I don't know. Right. Like that's could be very interesting, but I believe there would be teams interested in him. I cannot see for the life of me, how Calgary would ever even consider retaining salary on this. Like right. they literally just signed this guy. Mm-hmm. So there's no way they're retaining anything to move him. You've got to have a team that really wants to get Mackenzie Weger at the new contract that he's been given. And that would be a shocker for me if teams were lining up here. Peg, notice that Ottawa, mm-hmm. and that I would say yes, except for the fact that Ottawa's trying to be sold right now. Yeah, The Senators are up for sale. And if you're interviewing prospective buyers and you go, oh, by the way, we think we're going to add $50 million to our payroll here. What are you thinking if you're the owner of the or the new potential owner of the Ottawa Senators? Are you buying into somebody who's just about to add fifty million dollars to your payroll? I don't know. Like, I can't. I, they want a defenseman, but mm-hmm. do they want to add fifty million dollars when the team's about to be sold? I don't know. It'd be very, very interesting to see if that is something that they would do. Like, I, I get the fit hockey wise, and they're mm-hmm. looking, but. Yeah, I don't know. That would be very. I don't know. I, I'm really. I keep saying I don't know. I'd be shocked if Calgary pulls this off. And what does that say to Calgary Flames players and fans that you just brought this guy in, you actively sought him out, you moved Matthew Kachuk to get him? Oh, by the way, right after he didn't have the best year, you traded him. Uh-huh. Like that would be iffy for me. Uh, let's move on to a player that you know really well, Patrick Kane. Um, the the new. There's all sorts of discussion here, but the new one, Carlo Koliakov, a former NHL player who now works for TSN as an analyst, mm-hmm. uh, radio host, he dropped a little bomb the other day uh, saying that two teams, from what he understands, his sources are telling him, two teams are on Patrick Kane's yes, I'll go to trade list. The New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
which is really interesting that uh-huh. one, we haven't heard anything. And I don't know if you've heard it from Chicago. This is the first I've ever heard of Patrick Kane even remotely saying one, that he's willing to go and two, that there are teams on his list that he's willing to go to. This is the first I've heard of that. And Toronto's a shocker for me. The Rangers aren't because of his comments about Tarasenko being moved there. It was clear Kane was like kind of intrigued by the New York Rangers. Toronto is an interesting one for me. What do you make of this? Like, have you heard anything before Koliakovo's comments here about this? I find it interesting because it was just yesterday or the day before that um, David Pagnotta, or I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong, um, mentioned that uh, Kane still had not made a decision and still had not submitted a list of teams to the Blackhawks. At that point, I would think that is very believable because he seems to be dragging his feet. And believe me, if he did do that, if he did lift his no movement clause and submitted a list of teams, I feel like it would be all over Chicago right now. But maybe this guy knows something that we don't. But I find it interesting. Toronto, I saw, was linked to Kane over the summer. It's not the first I've heard of it. I think it sounds fun. Like, Patrick Kane would be able to play with Austin Matthews. And obviously, they were really looking forward to playing together for Team USA at the Olympics before, obviously, the NHL decided not to send the players there. So I think it sounds fun. I don't know if it's realistic. The other part I think that is realistic about this report is that Kane did say if he was going to move, it would only be to a certain amount of teams, a very few teams. So if those were the two options, and obviously, like you said, he was interested in the Rangers, that report kind of makes sense. But I, Toronto's interesting. I don't know if I see that. I, we were talking about this beforehand, too. I don't know if I see it, but it makes sense. I guess even from Patrick Kane's point of view, maybe if he's thinking Austin Matthews, Toronto needs something that will get them over the edge there. So, yeah, interesting. But it, what else is interesting is nothing's really coming out of Chicago on this front. A lot of it's just speculation. But like I said, maybe this guy knows something we don't. He obviously has a lot of ties and connections. So, but it is interesting. Yeah, there's a part of me that says, okay, Koliakovo is an analyst reporter now out of Toronto. So when you have these stories coming out from these players that are stationed and located in Toronto, you got to be like, okay, let's a little grain of salt here because they love talking about the Maple Leafs and what's possible for that team. But there's another part of me that's like, okay, well, let's, let's look at this realistically. Let's say, for example, that Kane wants to go to Toronto mm-hmm. and let's say that Toronto's looking at Timo Meyer, but they strike out because we probably believe that they're in on this, but New Jersey and Carolina make more sense, right? Yes. There's, those are two teams that would probably be more willing to, to do the Meyer deal. So what happens if Toronto strikes out to me? I wonder if Toronto would be willing to make an emotional decision, even if it isn't the right one. Like Kyle Dubas is like one first round elimination away from being fired. The Toronto Maple Leafs need to do something. They know they want to add a forward. There would be a big splash in Toronto if they made them. I do wonder if the ask for Kane is not going to be as not going to be realistic. Like if Chicago wants a certain amount of assets, first mm-hmm. round or whatever the case, I don't know that they're going to get it because I think if Kane's got it limited down to one or two teams and the Chicago Blackhawks feel like, well, look, we can either not move them because we didn't get what we want. Say, for example, Toronto's like, I'll give you a third. And I'll get another team involved and I'll give them a third to retain some salary so we can make this work. Does Chicago, well, screw that. I'm not going to give you Patrick Kane for a third round pick. You may be, but then what? Like, do you have to deal with the fact that you had Patrick Kane suffer through a couple of years in Chicago where he did what he was supposed to do? And then you said, well, sorry, we're just not going to trade you, even though that's what you want us to do. And you got nothing for the player who then walked Mm -hmm. away. Like, 
there's a lot going on here. And I could see Dubas making an emotional decision here. If Kane says, yeah, I want to come to you guys. Can you make it work? And he's like, okay, let's see. It's a splash. And I think yes. Dubas feels like he might need to make one. And I don't like the fit. Like, I don't think I do like the, like you Matthews and Kane on the same line. Like maybe interesting, but I don't think that's going to get Toronto over the hump. Like, I think they need tough grit, like a Meyer type of player. Mm-hmm. But if you strike out a Meyer, is Kane the next logical fit? I don't know. Like it's it's really interesting. So, but I think it's possible. Like if that's legitimate, if that source is true, and Maple Leafs are honest, I could see Dubas doing it if he strikes out on other things because he wants to do something. He needs to do something. The Maple Leafs have got to have the fans like clamoring for the possibility of something happening that's good in the playoffs. And Kane gives you, whether real or not, the illusion that okay, here's the guy. He's going to get us over the hump, right? Like that could be the thing. So yeah, it's intriguing that those things come up um, and they are a contender all being whatever it is. Toronto's a pretty good team. So mm-hmm. uh, I can see why, why Kane would maybe look at that. It's interesting though. I hadn't heard it prior to this. Uh, Eric Carlson, let's touch on him real quick before we close things off. Uh, the latest that we're hearing with Eric Carlson is that the Oilers are still considering this, but most people here, believe that this is like five to 10% possibility. Like it's just mathematically way too hard to work out. There's too much that has to go the other way. There's too much salary retention going on here. Uh, Jeff Merrick said that he is under the impression that Carlson would waive to go to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a new development that I hadn't heard yet. Cause a lot of people were asking that question. It's like, okay, well, what if they do figure it out? Does he even want to go there? And Merrick is like, from what I understand, yes. So that's interesting uh, that that's a possibility. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Like, I don't know how you you make it all work. And if the San Jose Sharks really don't want to retain, what can you give them to make that make him a $7 million player? I don't know that it's possible. What do you think? You think this happens? Like, is this is Carlton to Edmonton a pipe dream that like Kane to Toronto sounds like a lot of fun, but just isn't really all that realistic? Yeah, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I'm not seeing it at this point. I think it sounded fun. Like you said, it sounded fun for sure because he's having such a great year and obviously he'd add a lot of depth um, to Edmonton. But it's not even just Edmonton at this point. Now I kind of go back and forth on Carlson for sure because I think he has a lot of trade value right now, but it's just that contract is what's really the kicker here. So I'm not really sure even as much as San Jose wants to trade him and obviously they have high hopes they can get a lot for him and they should get a lot for him, that it's realistic really for anyone right now. It seems like a lot of teams are just really trying to keep it safe right now with salary retention and stuff. Not a lot of people are willing to take on so much money right now so it's not just the Oilers I don't even know if they'll be able to move them at all at this point so I'll be interested because obviously anything can happen in this league things change very quickly obviously but I don't know like I said if I see him moving at this point yeah well I know that people aren't saying this because he's having such a good year but to me if I'm the San Jose Sharks now this doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be like yeah I'll retain 50 percent and yes I'll take on you know, $4 million or $5 million a season for the next four years. Like I'm going to jump at this, but if I'm San Jose, I'm moving that contract if I can. Yes. Like, and if it doesn't mean I'm getting like multiple first round picks or prospects or whatever, I don't care. Move the player. Like mm-hmm. they're going to suck for the next three yes. or four years. Like that's the reality of it. Especially if they trade Timo Meyer, you got to move this player. Cause last year he wasn't even movable. Like he was injury prone. He didn't have the greatest 
and it's this year. There's no telling he's ever going to do this again. He's always going to be Eric Carlson. He's always going to be good, but he's maybe never going to do this again. And so if you're San Jose and you can sell high, you sell for what you can sell for, because next year, if this doesn't repeat itself, you may not be able to move them. And so Mm -hmm. I would move them. Like I would just, what do I got to do to make this work? As long as I'm not eating it, like, okay, let's do it. Right. Like that's what I would be thinking if I'm San Jose, but I'm not running San Jose. So it would be very interesting. I'm curious to see if the before. I don't think it happens, but mm-hmm. I believe that there's more leverage for the Oilers than people give them credit. And that I think San Jose is probably more willing to do things than some people think, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. Like the math has to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to run out of time here. We won't get the chance to get to a couple of names that we wanted to, but uh, maybe we'll do that on another show. We got two weeks before the deadline. Uh, Brooke, thank you very much for everyone else. It's been another edition of the NHL Trade Talk podcast don't forget download subscribe and we'll talk to you on the next one